Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest, Nico Salgado. Nico has a BS in business marketing and management and a minor in economics. He also holds a master's degree in Spanish language education and has spent the last 17 years as a Spanish teacher. But that's not the reason I brought him onto the show today. It's that apart from being a teacher is that he has been investing in real estate. He's an entrepreneur coach, mentor, and leader. Nico began investing in real estate in 2012 with a single-family development project and has since scaled to owning 194 units as a general partner. In addition to that, he also hosts a bi-weekly meetup group titled the Multifamily Investors Network in New York. Nico also hosts the Small Axe podcast where he interviews industry leaders in multifamily where he believes it only takes a small axe to build a lasting empire. Nico, Super excited to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks, Trevor. I'm excited to be here too, man. I'm glad we got to make this happen. Most certainly. And for our audience out there that's listening and, and they may not know of you, this is the first time they're learning about you. I'd love for you just to hop into a little bit more into your background and, and really what got you interested into real estate investing. So I've always had an interest in real estate, right? And it's weird, you know, people say that, right? I've always been interested in real estate, but I really have been. I Even as a little kid, you know, I would save money every dollar I would get, I'd save and I would roll it up into this weird little, this roll. And my dad would say, what are you going to buy? I said, I'm going to buy a house. Eventually years later, I bought my own house, obviously. But then in 2012, I had the opportunity when traveling to buy a piece of land down in Nicaragua. And I did that for the purpose of really building like a vacation home. And I wasn't very clear on what I was going to do with it, but we built the vacation home. It took a long time to build because of the bureaucracy down there, Mm. but had a vacation home built and now actually just got it finished to where we're converting it as a Airbnb. What what excited me about that project was the fact that I spent about $65,000 all in buying the property and pay, and building the, the uh, house. Now we have it on the market actually for 130,000. So it's basically doubled in value. Mm. And you know, just simple things like that, besides the fact that it excites me, there is the possibility of earning money from it, right? So now I can be creating a stream of income monthly through the Airbnb rentals. And also it has appreciated. So at some point, if I wanted to sell it or take some money out, I could do that as well. So that's been very exciting. Now, what happened in 2018 was I had another revelation where my then wife at the time, we were living in our house and our taxes here in New York went way up. So like we went from paying $4,000 a year to paying $12,000 a year. Now, how could I have possibly managed that when I was already basically living paycheck to paycheck? And I said, this is not right. Something has to change. I need some source of income. There's no more hours in the day because at that point I was working my teaching job. I was coaching various sports. I was doing a coaching program in the morning before school. I was mentoring teachers. I was teaching teacher classes. And then throughout the summers when I'm supposed to be off, I, I manage a surf camp. So there is so much, there was not enough time in the day. So 
I ended up doing two things. One was I started a small business, a small side business, making woodworking items. I, I created a little wood shop in my house and I was selling cutting boards and small things that I felt were easy to give away or deliver to people across the country and still earn some money. So while doing that, I realized this is just another time consuming activity and I don't think because I was doing everything from uh, making the cutting boards, finding the customers, packaging them, selling them, recording everything, bookkeeping, there was just too much for me to do amongst everything else that I was doing. I said, I need something that is going to be paying me when I sleep. What is that? Real estate. Fell back on the idea of, okay, we bought this property in Nicaragua. It has appreciated. We can utilize this property in Nicaragua to produce income for us. We don't pay anything for it. It's all paid off. That's what I needed. I needed a more monthly income. So I began looking at duplexes here in New York where I live. The minimum price at that time in 2018, 19-ish was about 700000 for a duplex, meaning the barrier to entry was very high, right? I couldn't just, you know, I would have to come down with a very solid down payment for that. And, and then I'm only getting two units and then I wouldn't have enough. It would take me maybe 10 years to mm. save up enough money to do the next one, right? So that was not a viable solution. I spent about a year looking for things like that and it just didn't. I found quickly that it wasn't going to be something that I could handle or be scalable. So luckily, I found the Jake and Gino community online when searching through bigger pockets, and they turned me on to multifamily. So in 2019, November, I joined with, I signed up with the Jake and Gino community, and they, it was like a, a rocket ship of success from, from that point on. It was like, drinking through the fire hose and information, education, knowledge. And my mind was exploding with possibilities, ideas, just enthusiasm. The crew that I was, that I was talking to was just overwhelmingly generous to me. I just felt like I, I joined the right family. So I started creating a multifamily investing business, which takes so much time and effort. And if you're not really going to do it, you know, if you're going to do it maybe a couple hours a day or a few hours a week, you're not going to be successful. So I ended up giving up a lot of stuff. I quit uh, the sporting programs that I had, and it also kind of worked out because it, a few months after I joined joined the uh, the community, COVID hit, and I really couldn't coach anyway. So I was like, "This is perfect." That's uh, and I was working from home that spring, so this is perfect. I had plenty of time to work on my real estate business. That summer, there was no surf camp. I couldn't manage the, the uh, surf camps, so. Again, I was just working on the business. So what I did was I focused on building a brand. I created a company called the Small Axe Communities. And Small Axe has to do with the idea of you only need a small axe to chop down a big tree. Now, as long as that axe is sharp, as long as you keep sharpening that axe, you're going to be able to chop down or take down the biggest tree. So and communities comes into play because we, we I want to own apartment communities. I want to have investor communities. I wanted to have uh, communities of people where I can connect with and grow with and partner with. So there's a variety of communities involved with this small acts communities idea. So I started looking at plenty of deals, right? And, and, I, and I chose a market like most uh, real estate investors do. Mine was Tampa. I chose that market for a few reasons, but one of the main reasons is that it's a huge, hugely popular, very successful market for real estate, especially multifamily. And I found it to be extremely competitive, but I didn't let that stop me. So I spent the, the following 18 months from 
when I signed up with Jake and Gino in November of 2019 to basically about a month ago, searching for the, you know, properties down there. And I submitted a ton of offers. I underwrote a ton of deals and I never won any of the offers, uh, any of the deals. And it came to a point where I decided, you know, this is, I'm kind of just doing the same thing over and over. And if I don't change my tactics, I might never get a deal. So I decided to go to a different market. And that's where, where that takes me today. I, I ended up creating a new team in, or, or keeping some of the same team members, but making, taking on some new team members in a different market. Now we're focusing on Birmingham, Alabama, along with Tampa. Long-winded answer. And there's plenty more where that came from, but let's, let's kind of pick that apart maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. The the journey from investing in Nicaragua and then having that play out down the road, and then now looking at these other potential properties, the ones that you're looking at in Tampa, and then now Birmingham. And let's say there's someone in our audience that's looking to get started into real estate investing, and say there's someone like yourself, but they're in New York. In New York, it's not like Connecticut or Pennsylvania. Those states like that are like right next to New York. Alabama is quite a bit away. How, what was that like putting that team together and looking out of state to put together deals or, or to find properties? Great question. And thank you for kind of grounding me, bringing me back to that. Because when you are an out-of-state investor like I am, I'm not going to be investing in New York. However, I may in the future. We could talk about that later too. But I'm not going to be investing here. My focus is Florida, Alabama, and maybe some other states at some point. But what you're going to need some key team players. So first of all, multifamily investing isn't something that you should do on your own, although it's possible, right? But ideally, we would specify and become experts in one avenue of being one team member. For example, me, I enjoyed the the acquisition phase. So I enjoy finding a deal, underwriting the deal, submitting the offer and negotiating. From After that, I kind of lose steam and I want to find another deal. That's just what I enjoy. Now, I need people that are going to be boots on the ground in those markets. And this is an essential, probably one of the most important team members to have. So what I did was I contacted people in the Jake and Gino community. Like luckily I'm in this community and we have a list of people of who is investing where and who lives where. So I found this one guy, Grant Poirier, who lives in Alabama. He lives in Birmingham. He was born and raised there and he invests there. He joined the Jake and Gino community about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and he just closed on his first 20 units. So I said, you know what? Since I'm focusing on Birmingham, I'm going to call this guy up. Called him up. We had a great conversation. Now there's two of us, right? Mm -hmm. So me and him, and I decided to say, you know what? he has all the relationships down there. He's got the connections with the brokers. Why am I going to waste my time now to rebuild all the broker relationships? Let him maintain those relationships. I need to focus on something else and become an expert in that. So what I did was I then contracted this other partner who is also in the Jake and Gino community who specializes in direct to seller marketing. So he has Mm. been very successful with single families and he's based in Colorado uh, going direct to seller where he's found so many great deals and he's done fix and flip, but he's also looking to get into multifamily. So we're taking him and his process, this guy, Jake Oreskovich, we're going to use that the same techniques and the same process that he's used in Colorado in Birmingham. 
We have our partner Grant down there who's boots on the ground, who can shoot over to any property at any point. And Grant is covering all the broker relations down there. He's got connections with every single one. He goes to golf with them. He goes to coffee with them. He's got that down. Jake has got the direct to seller campaign almost down. We're working on it. And then I have my partner, Luis, who has been my partner for a long time now in Florida, who does underwriting. Now, when I say he does underwriting, everybody on all of our teams, we all do underwriting, but we need somebody who is fast, efficient, and good at it so that he's going to be our chief underwriter. So all these deals that we get, we pass over to Luis. He underwrites them. We get a thumbs up or a thumbs down to then further take a deeper dive in it and perhaps submit an offer. Now, we have one more partner, my partner, Shane. So Shane has been my partner for a long time too. And Shane and I are going to tag team the investor relations uh, side of things because we're going to be taking on the capital raise, being that I have the most well-known brand on the team at this point. So I am now creating a system to where I'm going to be filtering investors through Shane and I who are going to be communicating with the investors, getting to know what their needs are, to understand a little bit more about what their investing goals are. And we're going to be prepared for a syndication. So with this team of five of us, we think we have all bases covered to where we can take down a deal that is anywhere from five units to 150 units down in Birmingham. That's really helpful uh, to know. And just as a side note to, I guess, this conversation, but do you happen to know Tim Lyons? Loved. I was on the phone with Tim Lyons this morning. Yep. Love Tim Lyons. <laughs> yep. So Tim, so I've been working with Tim for our company. We help get people booked on podcasts and I was working with Tim and we sort of struck out a deal where I gave him a nice reduced rate. Still got to get paid a little bit, but in return, he's been actually mentoring me. I've been sending him deals and, and talking to him on the phone. I know that he was in the Jake and Gino community. And then obviously he's based out of New York as well. So I just wanted to <laughs> see if you knew him. So that is, uh, that is funny. It's funny. I love him. So I, I actually called him this morning. Well, I, I sent him a text this morning. He called me right away. We talk frequently. And my question to him today was based on investor a conversation. Does he have a script ready for investors? Because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm making sure every single person on our team is going to really, really step up their game in their little specific area. So Luis mm -hmm. is going to be taking new underwriting courses to be the best underwriter he can be. Jake is going to be meeting with this other guy who's been very successful at direct-to-seller in the Jake and Gino community with multifamily. I need to meet with people who are capital raisers because that's what I'm going to be doing. So awesome. Love, Tim. And, then, and now going into the deals that you're looking at in the multifamily space, is there a certain asset class you're looking to do? You say A, B, or C, are you looking to do value add? What is sort of your philosophy when you're looking at these properties and potentially making an offer on them? Yeah, great question. So we're always looking for some sort of value add play, whether that be through physical renovations or through a management error that you know we can rectify. Uh, we look for B and C class properties. One of my partners, Jake, has always been kind of in the D space and very successful with single family. But And he's not afraid of that. But the rest of us are a little bit <laughs> kind of hesitant for that. So we're going to be focusing on B and C class properties. And we're looking for a 15% bump in rent. So if we can get a 15% bump in rent, we would consider it, whether that be, like I said, through renovations or through uh, management errors that people are making. Yeah. So B and C class properties, uh, meaning eight, typically 70s and 80s, but preferably 80s and newer for certain reasons, meaning like the plumbing prior to the 80s could could be very costly to fix. And, and things are going to, you could witness that whole CapEx tsunami where things start going wrong prior to the 80s, but we're not opposed to looking at it. 
And as you've been a real estate investor and, you know, getting into all the aspects of it, what do you think the most difficult challenge you think you've experienced while you've been an investor? Absolutely. The most challenging and most difficult has been to remain consistent and continue pushing forward when it was 12 months before I got my first deal and it, mm. I didn't even find the deal. I was invited onto the deal. So it's very difficult, very competitive, very frustrating. Now, so many people give up, but if you give up, you lose. You can take two, three years to find a deal. That's fine. We have to say, I was so excited and so energetic in the beginning to just get a deal. I, I would have bought a bad deal. And we really just have to remain patient. But I didn't mention to you, I did get a deal in Tampa actually a couple of months ago, but it was the wrong deal. And we ended mm. up losing a ton of money on it. I don't know if you want to hear a quick synopsis of what happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would, that would be perfect. I mean, not to sound excited, but I think it's always, <laughs> I think it's always interesting just to learn, um, you know, sometimes about the deals that don't go as good as, as planned. So I'd love for you to hop into it. Yeah, it's a it was a huge learning experience and we made so many mistakes. So first of all, this was a wholesale deal. So we we got this deal from a wholesaler not from a broker. There was there there were 20 units but there were five quadplexes. Since they were quadplexes meaning they're four units not five or above, we had the opportunity to go with a residential loan and do a residential appraisal. And because it was a wholesale deal, we had to close within three weeks and we had to go hard with our money day one. We put $50,000 down knowing that we weren't going to get it back. We were sure that we were going to be able to close this thing. It was basically a $2.25 million acquisition. We found the partners, we got everything in order and we got, we were so ready within the three weeks, we nailed this thing. But the day before we were going to close, the, the appraisal came back, not what we expected. Because it was residential, you have to base it off the comps. The comps didn't show, I mean, the, the purchase price was fine. But what, what we were looking for after, after renovations and the post-renovation value just was not there. Now, had we have gone a, a commercial appraisal, we would have been able to show the income, meaning the NOI, mm. to value the property. We didn't do that because we were pressed for time and the commercial appraisal took a little bit longer. So we thought we were going to be fine with the residential appraisal and we were not. We ended up losing just under $60,000 <laughs> between the team, man. And now, now this wasn't a Jake and Gino fault either because you would think, well, I have coaches and mentors. How come they didn't tell you? Well, they did tell me, but unfortunately I brought it to them. I brought this deal to them after we went hard and I shouldn't have done that. I was too eager to go hard with this money and just get this deal locked up because it was a great deal. But so after we, we went through the underwriting with my, uh, with one of my coaches and he was like, well, I don't know about this. This is kind of risky because of X, Y, and Z. And, and he's like, I don't think it's going to appraise. And we were like, Oh boy, here we go. And I didn't eat for those, the next two and a half weeks. I was just terrified and nervous, but Look, I mean, in the end, we, we're going to be moving on from it. And I know we learned a, a lot of lessons on that one. And you know, 60000 know, that's no small amount of money. You know, after losing that, you know, I would say potentially scare some investors from taking out more money and putting it into other deals. How are you able to sort of overcome that mindset? And did you sort of use it more as, a, I guess, a, a very expensive and, and painful learning experience? So it was a very expensive and painful learning experience. But the key here is that this is what, it takes to be a successful multifamily investor. Now, as a syndicator, meaning I'd syndicated one deal and I raised capital from 
from investors, this is going to be, this was going to be the same thing now. And we had the investors lined up. We had two investors that put in 200,000 each. They didn't get, lose any money because this is how a syndication works. We, the operators, the general partners, we put out all the risk capital. And this is part of why we need to get paid when we do a syndication or when we do a, a joint venture, let's say, and we're running the deal and we're putting out this risk capital. We need to get reimbursed for that or compensated for that because this is part of it. We're the ones who lose money. Nobody else lost money on this. Now, I want to hop into sort of your personal brand and, and the Small Ox community and what that experience has been like building up that personal brand and, and sort of building up that, that community from scratch. Yeah. The whole like thought process behind it was, I am not rich. I'm a school teacher. I don't have much money. How am I going to compete with these big dogs? How can I do it? And I was like, I just need to educate myself. And that's where the thought process of the Small Ox came in. I can be this small, small fish in a big pond as long as I educate myself, as long as I sharpen my axe, there will be a way for me to get into one of these deals. Now, I began just calling myself small axe and, and putting my name out there and, and branding myself as, as Nico Salgado, you know, with mm -hmm. the small axe company behind me. But most people know me as Nico Salgado and they see my face all the time, you know, on, on social media. And I, and I really try to be consistent with how I market myself and my company and also my image. So I began my my branding with wearing a suit and tie, right? I don't know if you remember that. This is like over a year ago. And then I said, you know what? That's not me. And it's I'm okay presenting myself who I am to my investors because it's going to be a handful of investors that want to partner with me. And I don't want to fake it. I will never go play golf with somebody to earn their business. It's just not me. Uh, I can be genuine, honest. I can take you surfing. We can have a great time. I can play music with you. I play in a band and I'm knowledgeable. So if you are that kind of person, that's the kind of investor that I want to attract now. So I recently rebranded myself, uh, changed the color scheme a little bit of my posts and my marketing material. And I also kind of loosened up myself. I'm not wearing a shirt and tie anymore. I'm just wearing a regular t-shirt now as, as I normally dress and, and people have taken very well to it. So people are, you know, it's gaining a little bit more traction than before. People are reaching out saying, I really like what you're doing with your brand. Let's set up a conversation. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, that's perfect. Just staying true to who you are. I think that's always great. And, and I, I want to hop back a little bit into New York and potentially investing there down the road. I can tell you that my fiance is is from upstate New York, not down by the city more. I guess she is not New York City, but more up uh, towards Albany and looking at, I've been potentially looking at properties around her and I never realized how big, how expensive the property taxes were around her compared to what it is in Massachusetts where we currently reside. And I can definitely attest to, uh, to that being expensive, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on if you were to ever potentially invest in New York, what are your thoughts on, I guess, being in your local area? Yeah, it would be upstate New York where I would invest. Now it's about three and a half hours from maybe three hours from me. When I was growing up, Back in 1998, I went to college in Albany and we rented houses down over there. And I said, this is awesome. I wanted to do this. So I talked to a few of my friends who were working in construction at the time. I was in the business school there and I talked to one of my teachers and we were discussing how I could possibly potentially buy a few of these duplexes, rent them out, et cetera. I never followed through with it because the, my professor, you know, kind of mm -hmm. steered me away from it saying it was hard and this and that. And I believed him or, or whatever. But the, he, he also mentioned, the same professor also mentioned to us the largest growth county in the United States was at that time Saratoga. So mm. Saratoga Springs, which is like an hour, maybe, maybe 30, 45 minutes north of, of Albany, was and still is a very huge growth market. And, and it's very popular. They have the old racetrack there. I used to go there every summer and work. Now, 
I didn't focus on Albany or the Albany area, Troy, Schenectady, those, the, you know, those uh, counties mm-hmm. up there. But one of our Jake and Gino members has been very successful. He, he owns hundreds of units up there and he's still focused on, they're still acquiring uh, units there. And I've been having a few conversations with him with the idea of potentially partnering with him on something up there. So I'm not knowledgeable enough. What would I bring to the table for him would be, I would help him with his marketing and I would help him potentially raise some capital. Not that I'm good at raising capital, not that's what I enjoy doing, but that would be my way into a deal with this guy. And you should definitely get him on your podcast. His name is Bill Hamill, H-A-M-E-L. He's a great guy, man, really knowledgeable and a heavy hitter up there in the Albany area. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I know all those areas I'm getting, I mentioned my fiance getting married in Tro- or Tro- Rensselaer uh, next year. And then I'm actually going to Saratoga this year for my brother's bachelor party. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Oh man, in about a month and we're going awesome. to, uh, I'm going up to those races. So definitely uh, familiar with that area. Yeah, and, and thank you for that. I'll definitely reach out to Bill. Uh, it's always nice to talk to people where I know, I know the area, but Nico, this interview has been great. I just wanted to ask you a, a couple quick questions before we end the show today. Mm-hmm. From your opinion, where do you think that the real estate market is going in 2021 and beyond? It's hard to say. I'm asking the same question to everybody because I want to know everybody's opinion, but it seems to me that things are slowing down. I mean, since 2012, the real estate market has been freaking booming to the point where it's like, if we were to think that this boom could continue, we might be considered crazy. However, given the population shift and the amount of millennials and then what is it, the, the, the baby boomers that we have, those populations are huge and they're not looking to own, they're looking to rent. So the rental apartments communities should be doing fine. So my hypothesis is that within the next year or so, rent increases and things like that should flatten out just like we thought would happen with COVID, although they didn't necessarily flatten out. And we're going to see kind of like, not necessarily, I don't think the market's going to dip, meaning I don't think the real estate market is going to be getting any worse, but it's going to kind of flatten out for a while, but slowly, slowly continue to uh, get better. My hypothesis. I think that's an excellent answer. And then for those listening in our audience, do you happen to have a favorite real estate or business book that you'd recommend for them to check out? I have a lot. I love books and I roll through them because I'm on the, uh, I use the Audible app and I listen to my car. I listen when I'm working in my wood shop. But this first book is not uh, business related necessarily. It's called Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which would make you a great human being all around. And it does obviously tie into business. It does tie into relationships, which is what we're in. We're in a relationship game here in the multifamily space. And then the other book is Who Not How, which I love that book Mm -hmm. too. And this is really what I've been focusing on in the past few months, finding the who, meaning I used to try to pick up everything and learn everything myself. And I found I became an expert at nothing, but I was good at everything. Now I'm looking for who, not how, who can do this for me better than I can do it. So I don't have to learn it. Those are two excellent recommendations. And Nico, last question of the day is where can our audience find you? Yep. The best place to find me would be my website. So smallaxcommunities.com. So it's smallax, A-X-E, communities ies at the end.com there you can find my uh, podcast you can find you know all the information about me with my email my phone number you can give me a call an email or however you feel comfortable reaching out you could book a call whatever is good for you guys out there awesome i'll make sure to include that in the show notes of today's episode for those of you who are listening and and nico thank you so much for coming on to the show today awesome man trevor thank you so much for having me 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.